First Samuel 26. I want to I want to brag on your worship leader real quick before we get started. I I'll tell you what, Emily um I haven't worked with a lot of worship leaders, so maybe this is common, but I don't think it is, that she reads through the scriptures and prays through it. I can tell every time I'm teaching because the songs are just aligned with the verses. And um, uh, it's, it's, maybe it's common, but I doubt it. And so, uh, you know, you guys have a, a special worship leader that loves the Lord and has a heart to worship God, and that's that's very important here. Um, so First Samuel chapter 26. And um, we're going to pick up in the life of David and Saul. And um, I'll, I'll open it up for questions and comments afterwards, so... Stay with me if you think of something. We'll, we'll talk afterwards. Um, nice thing about Wednesday night, we, we can do that. Um, so let's start out verse 1. Now the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is David not hiding in the hill of Hekelia opposite Jeshimon? Then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, saying, uh, I'm sorry, went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul encamped in the hill of Hekelia, which is opposite Jishimon by the road. But David stayed in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul had indeed come. And um, you, you think, hey, we already went through this. Uh, but actually, this is the uh, second account of Saul uh, chasing David with the 3,000 chosen men. And if you remember the Ziphites, they showed up. Uh, you can turn back to uh, chapter 23, verse 19. And this looks like a repeat incident because it is. Uh, David was in the wilderness of Ziph here in chapter 23, verse 19. And it says, Then the Ziphites came up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is David not hiding with us in the strongholds in the woods in the hill of Hekelia, which is on the south of Jeshimon? And so uh, the Ziphites ratted David out. Uh, back then, and here David is again in the same wilderness, and they ratted him out again. And, um, you know, the first, as I was kind of going through this this week, the first time I read it, my, my initial thought was, well, why, why would David go back there? You know, it's like, this doesn't make any sense. They ratted him out the first time, and here he is back there again. And I'm, I'm reminded about this if, you know, we have a, a walk with the Lord and uh, the Lord gives us, you know, baby steps, right? He gives us a little bit ahead of us. We don't know what's going to happen next week or next month or next year. We just get a little bit of a picture, but we certainly don't know what the Lord has for somebody else. 
and uh, David was called into the wilderness, it's probably beyond us to say, well, if I were you, I wouldn't have done that. That wasn't very wise of you, right? Um, one of the, have you guys seen Chronicles of Narnia, the movie? Anybody? I get a yes? Okay. Uh, do you guys remember when, um, uh, the, I forget their name, the, the kids, I forget their last names, but Lucy and the other. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> um, they're, they're in the beaver's den and they're talking about Aslan, right? The lion. And, um, Lucy says, um, to the beavers, he says, well, then he isn't safe, Aslan. He's talking about Aslan. And I love what uh, Mr. Beaver says. He says, safe? Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. He's the king, I tell you. And Aslan, of course, a picture of Jesus. And uh, it's a good reminder, this idea of being safe, right? And uh, I was... I don't know about you guys, but when at our house, when, when somebody says, uh, like, we, we part ways, like in the old days, you'd say farewell, farewell, good fellow, or whatever, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you say in the old days, but uh, we say see ya. I don't know where that word comes from, but we say see ya, see you later, or see ya. Um, you know, some people say goodbye. When I, I work with a lot of people internationally, and they say cheers. Like a lot of people in England, they say cheers, or in Australia, they say cheers. People in Italy, they say uh, ciao. I say, I hear that a lot, ciao, or something, something like that. Um, but what's happened the last couple of years, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, and maybe you're saying it too, so I hope I don't offend you, uh, but it's be safe. Have you heard that? When you're, when you're in the conversation or you're leaving, they say be safe or stay safe. Um, that's, that's been a popular growing trend, and I haven't looked up statistics on it. I've just noticed it, that a lot of people will say that to me when we're getting off the phone or something like that. Be safe or stay safe. And I think it's uh, indicative of our culture, this idea that safety is like this high virtue, right? Being safe is this high virtue. And um, I think we, it, it could be risky that we think of that as a first thing, right? When the Lord has called us to something like David into the wilderness here where uh, people that don't like him, obviously they ratted on him once, um, yet he goes back there. Um, you know, I think of, you know, the Lord being called to maybe a bad neighborhood to witness to people, right, where we could automatically think, well, that's not really a safe place to be, so that probably isn't good to go there or being called out on a missions trip or something like that, um, where we have to be careful because our culture values safety so much that um, we don't elevate that above God's calling and obedience to the Lord. Um, Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 25. And all right, I got control. Um, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Be aware, we need to be aware of the culture that we're operating in. Um, I went, uh, I'm sorry, but this... uh, this idea of, uh, that, that we're looking at or this thought we're looking at with David or this account, we're going to see, in, and I realize that we don't want to be like cavalier, right? I'm not saying that we want to be cavalier, but uh, David 
he's, he's courageous, but he's also wise, right? And as we go through this, you'll see that. Um, Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And um, I wanted to turn, if you can, with me, Psalms 54. Keep your place there. Psalms 54. And I was actually teaching last time we were talking about the Ziphites. But I didn't read this psalm. And so I thought, well, now would be the right time. Because David wrote this song in response to the Ziphites. And it's a short one, so we can read it together. Psalm 54. To the chief musician with stringed instruments, a contemplation of David when the Ziphites went and said to Saul, is David not hiding with us? So verse 1, save me, O God, by your name and vindicate me by your strength. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to my words of my mouth. For strangers have risen up against me and oppressors have sought after my life. They have not set God before them. Selah. Meditate on this, right? Think on this. Verse 4, look what happens. Look what he says. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with those who uphold my life. And this is a great reminder, verse 4, that God is the one that numbers our days. He decides how long we're going to live, right? Verse 5, he will repay my enemies for their evil. Cut them off in your truth. I will freely sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me out of all trouble, and my eye has seen its desire upon my enemies. All right, back to 1 Samuel chapter 26, verse 5. So David arose and came to the place where Saul had encamped. And David saw the place where Saul lay, and Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of his army. Now Saul lay within the camp with the people encamped all around him. Then David answered and said to Ahimelech the Hittite and to Abishai, the son of Zariah, brother of Joab, saying, who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And so you guys get the picture. David's in the wilderness. He sees where they're encamped. Saul's in the, appears in the center of the camp. Abner's right next to him. Abner, you know, his most trusted commander's right next to him to protect him. And then the 3,000 people surrounding him. And so this is a pretty risky situation to walk into if I were, if you were David, right? Um, and they're all sleeping, of course. And so he asks these guys, who's, who wants to go with me? And we see um, the the one who responds, Abishai said, uh, and Abishai said, I will go down with you. Abishai is the son of Zariah. Zariah is David's um, sister, and so this would be his nephew, okay? And so Abishai is going to go with him. Um, And I think that David, and if you remember last time this kind of went down, David cut the hem of his garment, right? And he had a piece of it. And when Saul realized that he spared his life, Saul repented, right? And he said, oh, my son, I love you, right? And he repented. 
And I think David was hopeful, you know, that, um, you know, as 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And I think David was hopeful that Saul would not want to kill him, right? That would, there would be something there, but realize that Saul brings 3,000 commandos with him, right? His chosen ones, the, the, the Green Berets, the Navy SEALs of, the, of, of Saul's army, that's who he's bringing with him. So this is a little bit of a dangerous situation, um, but I think David is going into this hopeful that there's reconciliation. Um, all right, so verse uh, 7. So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and there Saul lay sleeping within the camp with his spear stuck in the ground by his head. And that's, you know, just like Saul, right? The, the, the man of the spear, and the spear stuck right by his head as he's sleeping. And Abner and the people lay all around him. Verse 8, Then Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now, therefore, please let me strike him at once with the spear right to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. And this is, you know, the second time David has been tested this way. Last time, David was right next to Saul, and his men said, basically, take him out, right? Um, God has delivered him. Take him out. You're going to become the king. And what did David do? He didn't do it, right? He, uh, he, he didn't want to lay his hand on the anointed. This test is a little bit different. It changed the dynamics a little bit. Um, now Abishai is saying, I will, I'll do the dirty work, right? I'll take care of it. There's nothing you have to do. Your fingerprints won't even be on the spear, right? Um, all you have to do is give me the okay, and this will be done. And I like Abner's, you know, brashness where he's just one time, one hit. That's all it's going to take. It'll be over. And you can see these guys whispering because they, they're sleeping all around. They're right next to Saul's head with the spear, and they're whispering this to each other. And um, so let's, let's go on. Verse 9, But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, Furthermore, as the Lord lives, and I'm guessing he's whispering, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall go out to battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But please take now the spear and the jug of water that are at his head and let us go. So David took the spear and the jug of water by Saul's head, and they got away. And no man saw or knew it or awoke. For they were all asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. So God had actually orchestrated this by um, keeping them asleep during this event. Um, I, you know, again, I love David's heart here. I, I want to, let's go back. Um, Saul had a similar, I, I wouldn't say it exactly the same way, but it's a similar incident. You guys remember, uh, well, just go back with me. First uh, uh, Samuel chapter 15, verse uh, 20 and 21. Now, what's going on here is God had told Samuel to tell Saul to 
uh, destroy Amalek, right? And to destroy all of them, and including the animals, right? And, um, of course, Saul, making up his own mind, he, he did have great victory, but he decided to keep the best stuff, right? He decided to keep the best stuff, and then when Samuel confronts him on it, he comes up with an excuse. And so I'm going to read uh, verse 20 and 21. Um, he says, And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, which he didn't, and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me, and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the, listen, the excuse, but the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed. So he didn't obey the Lord. To sacrifice, and of course, there's the next excuse, well, to sacrifice to the Lord for God in Gilgal. And so, I think this is a test similar to Saul's test, where it's like, okay, you passed the test, David. Now, what about the people the Lord has entrusted you with, right? When they say, when they say, this is from God, let's do this, right? When, um, when, when they come, you're called to lead these people. Are you going to just stand by and watch them do it like, like Saul did? Or are you going to be a leader and, and do what's right, right? And I think this is, even though it's seems very similar to the last test, it is slightly different because this is a test of his leadership ability. Um, Romans twelve nineteen, Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And of course, we see two guys here, Abishai and David, and it's a, it's a reminder of how we view the world, right? Um, Abishai is seeing things how we would normally see things in the flesh, and David is seeing things with spiritual eyes. And this is, um, this is very different, where they can both see the exact same situation, and from Abishai's perspective, he's been on the run with David. He's tired of sleeping on the ground. He's tired of sleeping in caves. David's called to be king, um, you know, he, he loves David, right? But he's going to serve David, but let's do it in the, in the palace, right? <laughs> let, let's, go, let's go, you know, uh, David needs to be raised to king, and I'm going to be one of the great men in his kingdom. And he's ready to get on with things. And so he's seeing the opportunity, and he's seeing things with the fleshly human eyes that we often see things with. But David, on the other hand, is saying, and he gives the reason here in the commentary, that if God wants... Saul to die, then he can take care of it. He doesn't need me to do it, right? He doesn't need me to lay his hands on him. And so he's going to take care of it. And so he's seeing things with spiritual eyes. Um, and what, what's the outcome, though? Keep, keep in mind, what's the outcome for David? The outcome is he's still on the run, right? He's still sleeping on the ground. He's still sleeping in caves. And yet he's doing what is right. He's doing what is good. Um, it you know, reminded me a little bit of Abraham and Sarah, right? Where, where God gives Abraham and Sarah a promise about Isaac, right? Their son that they're going to have. And just like David got a promise about being a king, right? And this is his opportunity. Like Abraham had the opportunity when Sarah says, hey, take my handmaid and have a child. We're going to help God out with this promise. And here it's Abishai saying, um, hey, let's, let's move this along. Let's move this promise along. We got this in our hands right now. God has put this before us. 
And uh, thankfully, David made the right choice, right, where he saw things with spiritual eyes, unlike Abraham, who went into Haggai, and, they, and then he had Ishmael. Of course, David had his own issues with Absalom, but, but you know, Ishmael being the, the product of uh, that disobedience and not following the Lord. Um, Psalm 37, uh, 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. And I think this is a good reminder, though, even if the outcome, we know the outcome is not going to be favorable to us, maybe financially or emotionally or whatever, right? The outcome is not going to be favorable. We need to remember this, to trust in the Lord and do good. And that's, that's seeing things with spiritual eyes like David did. Um, and I, I don't know about you guys, but I'd rather have the consequences of obedience than to be disobedient and have, you know, David in the kingdom with the guy waving the fan and the grapes and all that or whatever the kings do, right? And so the consequences of obedience is, is better off. And this is the great thing about walking with the Lord in obedience and, you know, many of us have walked for many years, and we've been obedient at times, and we've been disobedient at times. But the great thing about walking in the Lord with obedience is that when there's problems that come up, we're walking with the Lord, right? And we can turn to him and say, boy, Lord, this is a big problem. Um, but it's your problem because I'm just being obedient to you, right? You're going to take care of it. I don't know how you're going to take care of it, but it's your problem. I'm just going to be obedient to you. And that's very comforting, right, to be walking in obedience because even the situation David's in, which isn't a good situation, um, he'd rather be just walking with the Lord and let the Lord take care of his problems. Um, I want to look at this other story. We're only going to go through one chapter tonight, so we have time to turn. Second Kings chapter 6. And this is just another example of seeing things with spiritual eyes versus fleshly eyes, and just how it can change the way we look at our problems in our lives. Second Kings chapter 6, common account. You guys have heard it many times. One of the favorites for Sunday school. Uh, we'll pick up in verse 8, and just as, well, yeah, all right, we'll just read verse 8 through 17. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Who's the spy? Who's telling the secrets, right? Verse 12, And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told to him, saying, surely he is in Dothan. 
Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, at last, my master, what shall we do? And so here we see the servant of God, right? Servant of Elisha. And he's seeing things with physical eyes. This is a this is a big problem. The city is surrounded by this army, and they're coming to get Elisha, right? Verse 16, so he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And so a very common account, but this is, you know, we face this often when we see problems in our life, and we look at, a lot of times, the initial reaction is to see things in the flesh, right? And to not ask God for spiritual eyes. What are you doing here, Lord? Because there's more that goes on. God works with so many more variables than we do, right? And he knows what's going on. And, you know, maybe you'll be, Lucky enough, like the servant of Elisha, we'll open your eyes and let you into what's going on spiritually. But we need to keep our eyes on the Lord uh, because he has bigger plans than we do. He knows what's going on. Um, back to uh, 1 Samuel and uh, verse 13. Now David went over to the other side and stood on top. Okay, so if you guys remember, David's got the spear and the jug of water. Uh, with him. And so he leaves the camp. They're all sleeping. Uh, So verse 13, now David went over to the other side and stood on top of the hill afar off, a great distance being between them. And David called out to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, do you not answer, Abner? Then Abner answered and said, who are you calling out to, the king? So David said to Abner, are you not a man? Love that. (laughs) And who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not guarded the Lord, the king? For one of the people came in to destroy your Lord, the king. This thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die because you have not guarded your master, the Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is. And I could see him just holding it up, right? David and the jug of water that was by his head. And so he's calling out Abner there, man, big time. Um, And notice he did it from a distance, though. So, you know, that's what I'm talking about. You know, David was courageous, no doubt about it, but a little bit of wisdom uh, doesn't hurt too, right? Um, But you can just see David holding the stuff up, you know, Saul's stuff there and calling out Abner. And, um, you know, I think... This is why it's so important to walk close to the Lord. And we know David has his ups and downs. I mean, next time, we're not getting there tonight, but, you know, he's, he goes and allies with the Philistines, right? And we know all the story about Bathsheba. And so David has his ups and downs. Um, we know that. But he, when he's walking close to the Lord, he's so confident, right, to do this. And this is what we need, right? We need to walk close to the Lord, and it really builds up our confidence 
in what the Lord has called us to do. If we're not walking close to the Lord, then we're just kind of waving through life, right? Um, Proverbs 28.1 says, Thank you. Uh, Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are, are bold as a lion. And um, you could just see that from David here. Uh, verse 17. Then Saul knew David's voice and said, Is that your voice, my son David? Of course, Saul, Saul wakes up and he's back in good favors with David. And David said, it is my voice, my Lord, O King. And he said, why does my Lord thus pursue his servant? For what have I done or what evil is in my hand? Now, therefore, please let my Lord, the King, hear the words of his servant. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. But if it is a, the children of men, may they be cursed before the Lord, for they have driven me out this day for, from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. And so what's going on here? So, let, you know, just keep in mind, David is making a case. He's telling Saul that, look, if, if the Lord has stirred you up to come and kill me because I have done something wrong, well, then let's just go make an offering. I'll repent, and we'll go make an offering. We'll go before the cross, and we'll make this right, right? We'll reconcile and make this right. If it's men that have stirred you up, well, then they should be cursed. And, of course, David knows the man that stirred him up is Saul himself, right? He's the one that's stirred up. Uh, but, but they should be cursed. And he finishes off uh, verse 19 by saying that, um, that basically that he, he sent out to serve other gods because you know, in that time, they would go to the temple or to the tabernacle and, sir, and worship God, right? But David's on the run, and so he's in foreign countries with foreign gods. Um, verse 20, so now do not let my blood fall on the earth before the face of the Lord, for the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea as one who hunts a partridge in the mountains. And um, let's... <laughs> Interesting, you know, so David compares himself to a flea here is essentially what he's saying is that I'm a nobody to you, Saul. What are you worried about me for, right? Not only am I a nobody, but I'm, I'm somebody that you can trust. I, you know, I'm, I've had the opportunity to kill you twice now, and I'm somebody you can trust. And so why are you hunting me down like a, like a partridge, like, like an animal that you just hunt in the forest? Then Saul said, verse 21, I have sinned, return my son David, for I will harm you no more, because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Indeed, and I have this part underlined in my Bible, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. And this to me is the, the banner of Saul's life, you know, this, this line right here, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. And that, that kind of covers his life. I mean, we're pretty close to the end of his life. I mean, he's going to have one more kind of significant event where he seeks advice from a witch, right? Um, 
But this, this pretty much covers his life. Now, this is the last interaction David and Saul have together that's recorded for us in the Bible. And um, this, I think, sums it up well. And I, I think about this, you know, from my perspective. Certainly, I have played the fool in my life. Um, and there's many things I can go back and say, I wish I could have changed that. Of course, I wouldn't be where I am right now if I would change that. So maybe, you know, you know, the Lord's in control. But I don't want that to be the banner of my life, you know? I don't want to end that way, right? I want to be following the Lord. I want to be walking with the Lord. And, um, and Saul, on the other hand, of course, he, he ends his life by committing suicide. I mean, he kills himself on the battlefield because he doesn't want to be captured. Um, this is really the banner of his life. I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. And uh, that's, that's a sad way to go, right? To live your life that way. Uh, verse 22. And David answered and said, Here is the king's spear. Let one of your young men come over and get it. Again, wisdom from David. He just didn't run over there and said, Oh, Saul, we're good buddies now. And give him back the spear. He's still going to keep his distance. Verse 23. May the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered you into my hand today, but I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. And indeed, as your life was valued much this day in my eyes, so let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord. That, that's what David cared about. He didn't, he didn't want his life to be valued in the life of Saul as much as he wanted to be valued in the, in, in the eyes of the Lord, right? And let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Verse 25, then Saul said to David, may you be blessed, my son David. You shall both do great things and also still prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. Um, Kind of what I want to finish off with is just this this picture we see see at the end, which to me is incredible. Everything is, um, you know, a lot of these accounts we read in the Old Testament, they're foreshadows of Jesus Christ. And they're not perfect in a lot of ways. Like they're not, uh, you know, like when Abraham goes to sacrifice Isaac, he didn't have to carry it out and Isaac be raised from the dead. But we see the foreshadow, right? We see the picture. And here we have Saul asleep with the spear by his head and the jug of water. And what was Saul being the, the fool and living the life of the fool what he deserved was death, you know? And I, I hear Pastor Victor say this sometimes where, you know, it's like before uh, you were alive in Christ that your head was in the guillotine, you know, and you just didn't know it, right? You were just, you're there. And that's where Saul was uh, with the spear right by his head. And I see this picture, you know, with David there and Abishai. And Abishai says, you don't, you don't need to get rid of this guy. You don't need this guy. But David, the picture of Christ, you know, Jesus, of course, better, the better than David, right? David had his issues, but Jesus, the better than David. But David does something here where he takes the spear and the, and the jug of water, and he takes it from Saul. And it reminds us of the picture of Jesus on the cross, right? His dead body on the cross, this, the cross that should have been for us, for our sins. And he takes the spear in his side, and out of his side comes blood and and the water, right? 
And so he takes it from Saul, what, what should have been for Saul. And of course, the analogy, we're, we're Saul, right, in the analogy. We're the ones who played the fool. And we will continue to play the fool. And this is the life, I mean, I think of, uh, I think of you know, Lot, right? Lot, New Testament says, commentary says, right, calls him righteous Lot. But he could probably describe himself as playing the fool, even as a believer, playing the fool. And uh, we could do that. We could live in the flesh um, as believers, like Lot. I don't know about Saul, you know. I've, I've contemplated Saul's salvation. Um, you know, there's, there's some clues either way. We don't know. I don't know. God knows. Um, but Lot, we know. He's, a, he's in the kingdom. The Bible calls him righteous. And, um, and he played the fool, I think. But all of us played the fool before we became a believer, but now we don't have to. We don't have to be that way, right? Uh, we have the power of Jesus Christ. We have the spirit that lives within us. And, uh, you know, we were talking with Connor about just meditating on the things of the Lord, meditating on Scripture. We were talking about that at dinner. And um, these are the things we need to do and walk with the Lord in obedience so that our life is not like that. You know, regardless of what happened with Saul, I don't know. But um, we don't have to look back at our life when we breathe our last and say, I, I erred and played the fool. You know, we could, we could be like Paul and say, I, I ran the race well, right? And that's where I want to be. So um, three things. Just three points tonight. Uh, don't elevate safety over obedience. Um, I, th- I wrote down that we, we need to pray to see things more with spiritual eyes, especially difficult situations. It's, you know, it's easy to see things with spiritual eyes, I think, when things are going well, but when things are difficult, that's really when we need to see things with spiritual eyes, like the, the army that was surrounding Elisha, right? We need to see that spiritual eyes. And three, uh, we don't have to play the fool. We have the power of Christ within us. It's not, if we're, if we're believers and we're playing the fool, it's our choice because the Lord has set us free. We don't have to do that. And so we don't need to be playing the fool. Um, that's it for tonight. I told you I'd open up for any comments or questions since we were going to have a little extra time. You guys have anything? So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. When the commentary tells me that, I think of uh, Jesus, well, really Judas, when he throws down uh, 30 pieces of silver, and scripture tells us, and he he went out into the dark. Same thing, and he went back to his place. No matter what, there's an opportunity of grace, but neither one chose it. Yeah, they you know, been on their way. Saul, he had, he always had the like the the effort of the appearance of righteousness. Like yeah. he always put that effort out there. Like he wanted to sacrifice to appear righteous. He wanted to do this to appear righteous. Uh, but then he went. He always would go back. Yeah, yeah. Great comment. Hmm. Anything else? All right. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we need your we need your strength, we need your power to be strong within us, Lord. I pray that
Uh, we seek you more this week. We uh, continue to, to follow you, Lord. Thank you for just, I, I think what David said, just like a flea. And, uh, you know, we, we should be that way to you, like a flea. And yet you loved us so much, Lord. You sent your son to die for us. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for continuing to, to, to help us and be patient with us and gracious with us, Lord. I pray that we walk with you more closely. In Jesus' name.